be reading from John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of who he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So, after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Before I deliver the good news, I have some other good news to share with you this morning. Um, Jeff and Kim Waltman and their two children, Kinley and Reed, have uh, asked to place membership here with us. This, uh, so I wonder, I wonder if they wouldn't mind just standing for just a moment so we would know who they are. Thank you very much, and uh, we're so excited that you have uh, decided to place your membership with us. We look forward to working with you and get, getting to know you better. You know, in life you make a lot of decisions. Some are good and, and some are not so good. And I don't know, you might be like me in this way. It's, it's not so much the good decisions that... that uh, that haunt me, it's, it's the ones that are bad. Uh, I know I've made a lot of good decisions, but it's, it's just, it's the not so good decisions that I just can't seem to forget. I can't seem to get them off my mind at times. And I don't know, maybe that's God's way of helping me avoid repeating those not so good decisions. But, you know, I know no, no one's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone makes a, a bad decision now and then. But Fortunately, the majority of those bad decisions are fairly inconsequential. The problem is, some bad decisions are not inconsequential. They are life-altering. And you have to live with the consequences, whatever they may be. One of the catalysts to a, a poor decision is really not knowing all the facts. Oftentimes our decisions are, are colored by our selfish desires rather than what's best or what's right. Sometimes we follow our, our deceitful hearts instead of God's will. And we're going to examine one such person today. A couple of months ago we, we studied the defining moment David experienced when he first laid eyes on Bathsheba. He was attracted to her, wanted to know more about her. And when he learned she was married, it became kind of a defining moment for him. He was confronted with the choice to either pursue her or forget her. 
He followed his deceitful heart and chose the former and suffered greatly for it. David didn't realize really that it was a defining moment until later when Bathsheba told him, I'm pregnant. And that's one of the problems of an important moment that defines or alters the course of your life. Defining moments, unfortunately, are not accompanied by a blinking neon sign that says danger, danger, defining moment, important decision. Sometimes you don't realize when a consequential decision takes place until after the fallout. But at that point, you're forced to live with the choice that you made. And living with the consequences of a very poor decision can be devastating. As this illustration reveals, according to Fox 13 of Salt Lake City, a Northern California mother was arrested after allegedly leaving her young child in a parked car outside a friend's house while she went inside to hang out. Alexandria Raven Scott, 23, was accused of causing her 18-month-old son's death by leaving him in the back seat with the windows rolled up for about 10 hours, according to the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office. She allegedly deserted the boy around 3 a.m. after arriving to visit with friends. Pretty difficult to recover from something like that. It alters. I'm sure it has altered her life forever. And as we all know, hindsight is always 2020. And I certainly understand that you learn from your mistakes, but some mistakes have much greater consequences than others, and some mistakes can be avoided, such as that one. Now think about this for just a second. There are going to be millions, possibly billions of people on the day Jesus returns who suddenly realized what a mistake it was to not, not to have believed in Jesus. When they see the clouds open up and they hear the trumpets blowing and, and they see Jesus descending, their fate is sealed. They're going to be thinking about all those opportunities they squandered. It's going to be coming back to their mind. They're going to, they're going to remember all the times they thought about it or, or someone tried to tell them and they ignored it. Or rejected it. And that's the reason the Bible says that on that day there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You don't want to be in that situation when you look back on your life and realize you made the greatest mistake of your life. You cannot change it, and the results are devastating. If there's one thing you need to get right in your life, it's about Jesus. One of the more famous names in the Bible is the name Judas Iscariot. Every adult in here, and probably many children, know who he is or who he was. Judas was chosen to be one of Jesus' disciples by Jesus himself. Judas experienced one of the most devastating defining moments in the history of the world, and the most devastating defining moment in his life, when he decided to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And that was probably a lot of money back then, but the consequences of that decision were immeasurable for him. Jesus validated that when he, when he said of Judas in Matthew 26, 24, Woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. 
It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. In John 6, verse 64, Jesus referred to Judas when he said, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Did you catch that? Jesus knew from the beginning. Jesus actually knew what Jesus would do even when he selected him to be one of his uh, disciples. And of course, his choice of Judas was intentional. And as one commentator indicated, Judas did not have the shield of faith to ward off the fiery darts of the evil one. Satan was able to deceive Judas in order to use Judas for his evil purposes. And that's why we, you and I, are warned by Paul in Ephesians 4.27 not to give the devil a foothold or an opportunity in your life because Satan will take full advantage of you for his devious purposes. There are other hints in the Gospels that reveal who Judas really was. In John 12, verse 6, when Judas objected to Mary, anointing Jesus with this expensive perfume, he questioned why that perfume had not been sold so the money could have been given to the poor. But his real motives were revealed in verse 6. The text reads, He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And that tells you where Judas's heart was. Judas was a prime example of the saying of Jesus in Matthew 6, 21, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Judas treasured money more than he treasured Jesus. He stole money from the apostles and betrayed Jesus for money. How sad. A third hint is given by Jesus in John 13 when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet at the Passover. When Peter told Jesus he could wash his whole body, not just his feet, Jesus said, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean. And then he said, Though not every one of you. Referring to Judas. Judas was the quintessential hypocrite. You know, he passed himself off as a disciple of Jesus, and yet he didn't really believe in Jesus. Nor did he love him. And I wonder how many Judases are walking around today. People who don their, their Christian mask when in the company of other Christians, but when not in the company of other Christians, you know, they take it off and they, they lay it down or hang it up in the closet somewhere. It was even prophesied that Judas would betray Jesus. In John 13, 18, Jesus quoted David in Psalm 41, verse 9, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, who shared my bread, has turned against me. David was probably speaking of his counselor, Ahithophel, who, who betrayed him, but, but it was actually a prophecy about Judas. And amazingly, this is what, what I find so amazing, he protect, Jesus protected Judas. You know, the other apostles had no clue Judas was an unbeliever and a thief and a liar. Jesus knew it, but he didn't disclose it to them. The defining moment for Judas is revealed in John 13, verse 21. It says, after Jesus said this, 
he was very troubled. He said openly, I tell you the truth, one of you will turn against me. The disciples all looked at each other because they did not know whom Jesus was talking about. One of the disciples sitting next to Jesus was the disciple Jesus loved. and Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus, who is he talking about? And the disciple leaned a little closer to Jesus and asked, Lord, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, I will dip this bread into the dish. The man I give it to is the man who will turn against me. And so Jesus took a piece of bread, dipped it, and gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. So here was Judas's defining moment. Verse 30, Judas took the bread Jesus gave him and immediately went out. You know, now we know one of the reasons why Jesus said you can't really serve both God and money. But, you know, that wasn't Judas's real problem. Judas's real problem was that he really didn't know Jesus. Now, you wonder, well, how, how can that be? I mean, he was with Jesus practically 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three years. He saw the healings, he saw the exorcisms, he, he saw the lame walk, he saw the sight restored to the blind, he heard the word. He may have performed some of those miracles himself when they were sent out. He heard the word, he witnessed the word in the flesh. How, how does he not know Jesus? In Max Lucado's book, On the Anvil, he wrote an article titled, Judas, the man who never knew. This, this is what he wrote. Max wrote, I've wondered at times what kind of man this Judas was, what he looked like, how he acted, who his friends were. I guess I've stereotyped him. I've always pictured him as a wiry, beady-eyed, sly, wormy fellow, pointed beard and all. I've pictured him as estranged from the other apostles, friendless, distant. Undoubtedly, he was a traitor and a quisling. Probably the result of a broken home, a juvenile delinquent in his youth. He goes on, yet I wonder if that is so true. We have no evidence except Judas's silence that would suggest that he was isolated. At the Last Supper, when Jesus said that his betrayer sat at the table, we don't find the apostles immediately turning to Judas as the local traitor, or the logical traitor, I should say. No, I think we've got Judas pegged wrong. Perhaps he was just the opposite. Instead of sly and wiry, maybe he was robust and jovial. Rather than quiet and introverted, he could have been outgoing and, and well-meaning. I don't know. But for all the things we don't know about Judas, there is one thing we know for sure. He had no relationship with the Master. He'd seen Jesus, but he did not know him. He had heard Jesus, but he did not understand him. He had a religion, but no relationship. Now, Satan worked his way around the table in the upper room. He needed a special kind of man to betray our Lord. He needed a man who had seen Jesus, but who did not know him. He needed a man who knew the actions of Jesus, but had missed out on the mission of Jesus. Judas was this man. He knew the empire, but had never known the man. We learned the timeless lesson from the betrayer. 
Satan's best tools of destruction are not from outside the church. They are within the church. A church will never die from the immorality in Hollywood or the corruption in Washington. But it will die from corrosion within. From those who bear the name of Jesus but have never met him. And from those who have religion but no relationship. I I think Max was on to something there. There's a difference between religion and relationship. And sadly, it's happening every day. Now, you can go to church for years and not really have a relationship with Jesus. You, You can know about Jesus, kind of like the majority of the people in the world, and still not have a relationship with him. You can be religious and still not really know Jesus. Jesus spent three years, not only, Judas spent three years, not only with Jesus, but with the other apostles and still really didn't know Jesus. And that's because a relationship involves love. You know, you're familiar with the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. You know, think about it. Typically, when you fall in love with somebody, it's because there's something about them that attracts you to them. Therefore, you desire to to be with that person, to spend time with that person. And as you do, you kind of come to know them to a much deeper level, depending on how much time you spend together. Through various activities, through your time in conversation with that person, you learn about their likes, their dislikes, where they've been, what they've done. And when you fall in love with somebody you really have difficulty thinking of anyone or anything else. You want to be with that person as often as possible. And so the way you learn to love Jesus, to know Jesus, is is spending quality time with him through through prayer, through, through study, through the word, learning who he really is, what he said, what he did, what he's going to do. When you fall in love with him, you'll you'll want him with you all of the time. You will want to be immersed so your sins can be washed away. And then you'll you'll receive his spirit to dwell with you. And so that he'll be with you every moment of the day. Every moment of the night. Every moment. What's puzzling is that Judas did spend time with Jesus. He spent three years with him. But, but apparently, just, he just did not know him intimately. Somehow, he didn't know the deep love Jesus had for him. And maybe it was because he was, this was prior to the crucifixion. You know, although I can't explain how you can witness the life of Jesus and not see and feel the love of Jesus. All I know is it's not enough just to be religious. You've got to fall in love with Jesus. Do you know Jesus? I mean, that's the question you need to ask yourself. And I don't mean, do you know about Jesus? I mean, have you fallen in love with Jesus? Do you love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? John explained one of the ways you can tell if you know Jesus in 1 John 2, 3. He says, we can be sure that we know God if we obey his commands. 
You see, to love Jesus is to live Jesus. In Matthew 27, Judas realized that he made a very poor decision. One that defines, defined his life for eternity. Beginning in verse 3, it reads, Judas, the one who had given Jesus over to his enemies, saw that they had decided to kill Jesus. At that point, he was extremely remorseful for what he had done. So he took the 30 silver coins back to the priests and the leaders, saying, I sinned. I handed over to you an innocent man. And the leaders answered, well, that's your problem, not ours. So Judas threw the money into the temple, and then he went off and hanged himself. Hanged himself. So here's a man who was confronted with the greatest defining moment of his life. And his decision resulted in the most egregious, selfish decision in human history. All because he didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. He didn't really know him. He didn't really love him. He used Jesus to get a measly 30 silver coins. Judas came to the realization that he'd made a terrible mistake, but it was, just, it was too late to do anything about it. At that point, there was nothing he could do to change it. And he was so distraught, he could not bear to live with himself any longer, so he just took his own life. What, what a tragedy. A tragedy that really could have been avoided if he had just taken the time to get to know Jesus. You know, today, Satan is, is looking for Christians who don't really know or love Jesus. You know, because those are the people that, that he can use to do the greatest damage to family relationships and especially to the Lord's church. So we need to be aware. Fortunately for you and me, God turned a horrible decision into one of the greatest events in, in human history. Unfortunately, it won't help Judas. Max concluded his article this way. He said, Judas bore the cloak of religion, but he never knew the heart of Christ. Let's make it our goal to know deeply. You know, often the people that don't know Jesus, I'm sure there are many, unfortunately don't know they don't know. They think they know him. They say they know him, but they really don't. Just like Judas. And I sure hope that's no one in here. The lesson of Judas teaches you that you can be around Jesus through the church and other Christians, maybe even possess his spirit, but never really fall in love with Jesus and consequently never really have a relationship with Jesus, or at least not the kind of relationship you need to have. So be honest with yourself. How often do you really think about him? Is it only on Sundays? Do you love him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength? I mean, no one knows the answer to that but you. And the key, as I mentioned before, is wanting to truly know Jesus. You've got to know that you know him. And if you don't really know Jesus, if you don't really love Jesus, please, please do something about it before it's too late. So I encourage you today, make it your life's goal to find out who Jesus really is. 
Dig deeper. There are a lot of people in here who would be happy to help you do that. You know, learn from Judas's mistake. Choose Jesus for who he is, for what he did for you, not for what, he, for what you can get from him. If you've come to know Jesus, you know, and you desire a relationship with him, we offer you an opportunity to begin that relationship today by extending an invitation to you today to put on Christ in baptism, to confess your faith in Jesus. Or, or maybe you've just, maybe you've strayed away. <laughs> you know, maybe you haven't d- been working on that relationship with Jesus like you should. And Satan's got his foot in the door of your life. I, I encourage you, recommit your life to Jesus today and get serious about knowing Jesus. The Lord watches and waits as we stand and as we sing.